Hello everyone, welcome back to another episode of Tantra's Mantra where we go behind and beyond the tech news headlines. I'm your host Prakash Sangam, founder and principal at Tantra Analyst. Today we are looking at a technology that haven't uh, we haven't discussed so far on this show. It's one of the airlink technologies used for IoT, specifically for devices like sensors that are low power, low traffic and need long range and long battery life. No, we are not talking about NB-IoT or 5G-IoT, but a technology called LoRa or LoRaWAN. LoRa stands for long range and WAN, of course, for wide area network. LoRa actually started uh, much before NB-IoT and it's older than NB-IoT. NB-IoT, as you would know, is the low power IoT version of 4G that is now part of 5G as well. Quick plug here. I've written a couple of uh, white papers on 4G and 5G IoT, including NB-IoT. If you're interested, you may want to check them out on our webpage, uh, www.tantraanalyst.com. Again, it's www.tantraanalyst.com. Okay, coming back to LoRa. It started out as a proprietary technology, but now its specs and standards are being managed by the industry alliance called LoRa Alliance. Uh, With massive IoT being one of the key parts of uh, 5G, the natural question is, where LoRa fits in and whether LoRa and 5G are complementary or competitors. You know, if so, you might ask, how do they complement each other if they are indeed complementary? And uh, specifically, where does LoRa shine? Uh, you know, also questions like whether operators or enterprises looking to use LoRa have to run both cellular and LoRa networks in parallel and so on. And to answer all of those questions, we have a perfect person uh, with us today, and that is Donna Moore, who is the CEO and chairwoman of LoRa Alliance. As I mentioned, is the industry forum uh, for LoRa uh, ecosystem itself. Donna, welcome to the show. Thank you, Prakash, very much. All right. So uh, could you give us a quick introduction about yourself and your background? Yeah, sure. So I've been uh, the CEO of LoRa Alliance uh, for just almost six years now. Mm-hmm. And it's been incredible watching the growth and the changes of um, the market, the adoption all through COVID. Um, So really, my role is to lead the awareness of the Lore Alliance, lead the strategy um, going forward at the board of directors level, and then the operations of the alliance. Very well. So uh, about the Lore Alliance itself and how old it is, who are the members? You mentioned about the charter. What are the activities you are involved in and so on? Yeah, so the Lore Alliance's goal really is a strong focus, and our only focus is on uh, low-power, wide-area networking. Mm-hmm. And we have three committees. We have a marketing committee that does awareness and education, um, mm-hmm. and we have a certification committee that certifies in devices and manages our certification program along with test tools and whatnot to help our members prepare for external Mm -hmm. testing. And then we have our technology committee Mm -hmm. that develops and expands the LoRaWAN standard based on market needs. And I think there was a a report recently with, uh, I know, LoRa market size and a number of connections and number of networks and so on. Could you give us a Quick overview of where the market stands for LoRa today. Yeah. And, you know, I should probably point out, so LoRa, even though we're the LoRa Alliance, LoRa is the chip and LoRaWAN is the open standard accepted by ITU 
in 2021 as an open standard, mm-hmm. that is the Mac layer. Mm-hmm. So just to make sure that we're differentiating, um, and everyone says LoRa as a shortcut, but it's really LoRaWAN. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the open standard in the Mac layer. We started in 2015. We have you know, it fluctuates between 400 and 500 members. They are from the entire value chain, you know, because the thing with IoT is that you really need all the members represented from, you know, device makers all the way to application providers and everything in between, you know, mm-hmm. the network and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So we have an incredible uh, breadth and depth and global ecosystem throughout the, the Lore Alliance. So uh, any idea on how many networks there are out now, uh, you know, both public and private using LoRaWAN? You know, Mm -hmm. we are global and our networks are pretty much in every country around the entire world. It's hard to grab the number because there are public and private. I would say that, you know, the private networks are probably about 60 percent mm-hmm. of the market and the public is 40%. You know, it really just depends on the actual use case need and the needs of the customer. Mm-hmm. And we, we don't just have public and private networks. We have community mm-hmm. networks, we have satellite networks, and we have hybrid networks where you can, um, you know, transfer between the different networks. So mm-hmm. it really depends on the use case as to what is the best fit. And unlike cellular, I would say that, you know, you may want a CapEx model where you're buying and it makes sense and you want a private deployment, or you may want um, a service model. And so you would go with cellular, but they're very different in terms of what LoRaWAN is a wide area networking you know, does versus 5G. And they're very, very, very complementary. Um, you know, Laura's strength is the massive IoT, which is about 75% of the IoT market. Mm-hmm. And that is the fact that we are, you know, we long distance, deep penetration in through walls, still concrete, you know, overseas, in rural areas, very low cost to deploy. And again, many, many, many options for deployment. And so, and it's low data rate. Like we're, that is what we're focusing on. We're never looking to get, do massive IoT um, with Mm -hmm. like 5G, which is for critical um, of IoT deployment. So that's about 25% of the market. And that is, you know, uh, real time, that's video, that's audio, that's emergency services. We don't do that space. That is not our strength. That is not our focus. Mm -hmm. You know, our focus is a 75% of the low data of things that need to measure to act on and, and to incorporate into existing systems for, you know, automation. It's very different than 5G. And we work great with 5G because we complement different needs. There are indeed complementary. I mean, there is some overlap between what NBIoT provides and uh, you know what uh, LoRaWAN provides, right? Especially the extremely low uh, traffic, low data rate, and long range, long battery life one. But yeah, let me just say the differences with NBIoT. NBIoT is really strong in China, mm-hmm. and that was because the government in China subsidized the development and the deployment of NBIoT. Mm-hmm. Everywhere else in the world, LoRaWAN is the number one deployed LP WAN standard. 
And while there are some similarities, the difference is that, you know, MBIOT really isn't private. It doesn't penetrate the same as LoRaWAN. And if you want to, you know, have your own private network, it's not going to be with MBIOT. And and the biggest difference, honestly, is that the the service providers, the network providers, I just don't think that they're finding the same kind of business model that they're used to with the low data rates. It's just not the same drivers to the bottom line as it is with cellular. And so I think that's why we're not seeing it being driven outside of China as strongly as LoRaWAN. Yeah, I mean, IoT overall uh, outside of China has a you know, business model challenges itself, right? <laughs> so, I know you mentioned about NBIOT specifically. I mean, it makes sense if you already have a cell network to put on NBIOT. If you're, you know, standing a brand new network only for low power IoT, then you know, LoRaWAN might be the way to go. It's a good segue to my next question, which is if you are a public or a private uh, entity and you're looking at not only just IoT, IoT as well as all other broadband uh, services as well, then, you know, with NB-IoT and with uh, 5G or even 4G in many cases, you have one network, one technology, uh, which means you have, you know, ease of operation, easy to deploy, easy to manage and so on. But if you have to also bring in LoRaWAN as well, then you have two networks, two deployments to separate managements and so on so how do you see that uh, you know happening are operators looking at LoRaWAN deploying it along with their cellular network or well I'm going to move away from what the operators are looking to do and move towards what customers want and need okay yeah even private networks it's the same question right yeah mm-hmm. yeah well, and even for public, I mean, we have public networks as mm-hmm. well. You know, LoRaWAN has many telcos. We have many private uh, public networks like Senate and m- many other ones. Mm-hmm. But so if you focus on the customer, mm-hmm. so some customers don't want their networks connected, right? Some of it with LoRaWAN, you don't have to get involved in the security or tampering into deployed networks. Like in hospital systems, they don't want you in their IT infrastructure. Mm-hmm. LoRaWAN is so cost-effective and easy. You put up a gateway, as an example, can go through multiple levels, concrete still, all through a building. One gateway can cover hundreds of thousands of devices mm-hmm can be integrated into, if it's a building, building management system or whatnot. So it depends on the use case and the need. Now, having said that, we have liaisons with Wi-Fi and Bluetooth and many deployments with 5G, and we have deployments with RFID and DLMS and IPv6 because both technologies are needed. So many of them, like IPv6 and DLMS, they run over LoRaWAN because it extends their use case and the value of for extending their market. Mm-hmm. So it really depends on the customer needs. And are telcos doing it? Yeah, many telcos are doing LoRaWAN. I see telcos that have added LoRaWAN to their satellite. So they have a 5G and LoRaWAN satellite to Earth. So, But it's about the needs of the end user. And there are many things LoRaWAN does that cellular cannot do. And again, many things cellular does that LoRaWAN does not do. And so it's not about the hassle of two different networks because LoRaWAN's networks are not like you need to put up a tower and you need to have 
you know, everything else, it's, it's a gateway for $500, $300, whatever that, you know, you can put up and it, it handles hundreds and thousands and penetrates very differently than cellular and costs significantly differently than cellular. So it is a hundred percent complementary. And with any of these technologies, it's based on the use case. Some use cases just require LoRaWAN. Some might require LoRaWAN and 5G. Some require LoRaWAN and Wi-Fi. And so it's not like, hey, you have to manage two separate networks. Um, and again, many people like the fact, or many end users like the fact that LoRaWAN does not tap into their security and their um, current IT systems. Yeah, that's an interesting point that, I mean, for security reasons, they, they want it to be totally separate, especially private networks. They're not even connected to the internet. Right. And I think cost uh, is a key consideration as well because the, the LoRaWAN device and the deployment costs and the management costs are so so low compared to a, you know, running a cellular network. I think that it becomes really right. attractive, especially for those use cases, as you mentioned. Yeah, it really is. So you talked about, uh, you know, mix of uh, public and private networks. So what are some of the considerations when, you know, enterprises or customers looking to whether use a publicly available uh, LoRa network versus deploying their own? And again, I'm going to talk about, we have satellite and community networks as well. Yeah. We um, are just working on a PR that's going to talk all, a lot about what's happening in satellites. Mm -hmm. But And we have Fleet and Eulistat and Echostar and Wild that are you know, satellite companies within the organization. So I just want to say there's more than just public and private. Indeed. You know, I, I'm just going to keep going back to it depends on the use case needs. So mm -hmm. some companies, they want to buy the equipment and manage their own low priority networking, right? They want to manage mm -hmm. it all. That's important to mm -hmm. them. Others want to be able to roam. And so they may, and with LoRaWAN, you know, many of our networks can roam from a private to a public to a satellite back down to private if, you know, maybe um, over the seas or if, uh, you know, assets are on the move, mm -hmm. you can track it that way. You know, it also depends on, you know, again, ultimate cost. It depends on are you penetrating underground and steel and other very hard to reach locations? That would be LoRaWAN. If you are out in rural areas where there's no cellular, maybe it's a satellite that you need out there. So, and for a backhaul. So, the nice thing about LoRaWAN is that it's really flexible and it's really, and we as an alliance and our members really promote. It is about addressing the needs of the end users. And they all have different needs because there are so many verticals, right? We've mm. got agriculture and smart buildings and smart cities and um, industrial IoT and logistics and utilities. And they all have different needs. Indeed. And I think one of the benefits of uh, LoRaWAN is that it is much easier to deploy and manage even for private entities one of the challenges that uh, that are seen in you know 5g and cellular private networks is that uh, you know it folks from the enterprises they don't have a cellular skill set at all and you know deploying and managing a cell network with small cells and others now it is much more simpler than what it was because everything is containerized now uh, but that still is a major hurdle 
in proliferation of cellular private networks. Have you seen that on LoRaWAN or has that been a consideration? As an alliance, our focus over the last several years really has been on ease of development, Mm -hmm. ease of deployment, and security. And just as an example, I mean, that's what our technical committee has really focused on producing um, evolving specifications for. And so as an example, over the last few years, you know, we launched firmware update over the air, right, to make it easy and cost efficient Mm -hmm. to update all your devices over the air. We launched recently Mm -hmm. long range frequency hopping spread spectrum, Mm -hmm. which really helps for uh, capacity, right? Mm -hmm. And especially with the satellites, we launched QR code for device onboarding. So it automates the whole process of scanning the devices and getting them deployed. So it saves time and money and ease of of deployment. Mm -hmm. Relay feature was just released, I believe, a year or so ago. And, you know, while Lorwin has incredible penetration and range with Relay, it's super cost effective to add a Relay node. So not even another gateway, even farther or down in tunnels or whatnot. So again, making it easier and more cost effective. Mm -hmm. We did two other things I'll just say. We did a multicast specification that just released this, that is a device-to-device communication in case Mm -hmm. there's a network outage. And, you know, it really helps when you are doing mass deployments in super dense area, you know, for weak communications. Mm -hmm. And we also just did a payload codec API specification. So you develop the uh, codec once and you can mm-hmm. deploy it on any um, application um, server. So our goal evolving the specification is making sure it's great and easy to deploy and for scale and for security, right? Because mm-hmm. it's, it is about scale. I mean, once a LoRaWAN network's deployed, mm-hmm. say for the first use case, you can add, and this happens in smart cities all the time, you can add another use case and another use case. And it really, the cost is negligible and it increases your cost effectiveness, your cost savings, your return on investment. So we're all about scale and making scale and adding more use cases um, easy. So that's been the focus. Cool. As you mentioned, LoRaWAN is basically now tasked with uh, standards and specification development. What are some of the challenges that your members are seeing and how is the alliance trying to address them? You mentioned some of them in terms of specification and developing new ones to address the new use cases and so on. Any other challenges that you're working on to address? Yeah, a couple things. Um, you know, we're making sure that our certification program, mm-hmm. and it is and continues to be robust and, again, providing more tools, making it easier for members to pre-certify. Um, certification's key, right? Mm-hmm. You need to know that the devices have been tested, especially when you're putting out hundreds of thousands of devices, maybe in very hard to reach or buried underground. You need to know they're going to work. So, We've really been working and, mm-hmm. um, again, making certification accessible, again, with the tools and the programs that we're expanding, which is key. Mm-hmm. Listeners, I would say, you know, buy LoRaWAN certified devices. There are many others out there made as well, but, you know, you don't know if they're going to work as intended. 
And the other thing that we just launched in June of this year, based on our feedback, is the LoRaWAN Accredited Professional Program. Mm -hmm. And so while we have devices that are certified, and by the way, many tenders and RFPs for cities and governments Mm -hmm. are requiring beginning to require LoRaWAN certified devices in the tenders, just FYI. But we also got market feedback Mm -hmm. that they said, how do we know if the individuals or companies that are developing or deploying or or working on deploying our LoRaWAN solutions are really, really knowledgeable about the LoRaWAN standard? So we developed a LoRaWAN accredited professional program, um, and it's a test that you take. You go online to our website at uh, laura-alliance.org. And take the test and you are proven once you pass the test, you are um, get a badge and a certificate and you can identify that you really are knowledgeable and validated that you have experience beyond average uh, for developing and deploying the LoRaWAN solutions. It's just a verification for the individuals, just like we have certification for the devices. Oh, it's interesting. So it's not training, it's certifying that you are trained and have the right background to do deployments and so on, correct? Yeah, deploy mm-hmm. solutions and or develop for customers. There are training materials to, um, that we have on the website to go out and review and read, but many of our people that have taken the test also have a lot of just experience from deploying it so many years. But so once you're ready, then you sign up for the test, you take the test, and then we will accredit you once you've passed the test. Interesting. Uh, And uh, talking about the specifications themselves, so the Alliance develops them. What is the process like and is there a fixed cadence when you come up with uh, the specifications and they publish them or it's more on need basis and so on? Yeah, you know, we really try, our members bring proposals forward within the Alliance Mm -hmm. and then it goes to the technical committee and review development And of course, that means that there needs to be enough interest Mm -hmm. uh, to develop it within the technical committee and then to the board for approval and and, and whatnot. But it's really about market demand. And it's what our marketing committee and or our members in general are hearing that, you know, this is needed, like, you know, QR codes for, again, easy device onboarding. That was something we heard in the market. And so members brought that forward. They developed the specification. So it's really about listening to the market and developing specifications to continue to move it, you know, again, lower win, easy to develop, deploy, and scale. So in terms of um, patents, how does the uh, licensing and patents uh, system work uh, for the Alliance? Yeah, no, it's a great question. And we are an open ecosystem with free development. Uh, So once our members submit, we are royalty free. We don't have patents within the Alliance and the members need to contribute it. Mm -hmm. So... And because we're also a part of the ITU, you can get our specifications online at ITU or on our website and you can develop and there are no uh, licensing agreements. So is it uh, fair to say then that LoRa Van is totally license free then for vendors to develop and deploy? Yes. Okay, perfect. In terms of uh, standards themselves, what are some of the trajectories that you're looking at in terms of roadmap? Is it going to be just low speed and low power, uh, long battery life uh, uh, for the foreseeable future? Or or, uh, are you looking to scale 
up in terms of higher speeds for higher traffic device and so on or no we are very committed and very focused to staying focused on our strengths again like Mm -hmm. you know long distance and deep penetration long battery life uh, low data rates that is our strength and we are Mm -hmm. and that is 75 percent of the iot market and we are staying right in that space mm-hmm. and we're really not looking to get distracted by trying to do everything. What we do, we do exceedingly well and the very best out there. Mm-hmm. And the market in that space is really unlimited. So it's not about the need to do higher data rates or whatever. That's not our space. And we don't need to try to grow in those directions to grab more market share because Mm -hmm. pretty much anything your eye can see can be monitored and improved upon with the data. And so, no, we're staying very strongly focused on our strengths. And our goal for evolving is just to continue, like I said, with ease of deployment, ease of development, you know, always security is an ongoing evolution. Of course, yeah. And supporting scale. That is... We're staying very strong in our in um, standing in our where our strengths are and not looking to move out to other areas. Okay, just to paraphrase, it's basically continue to improve performance, security, rather than newer features or newer capabilities and so on. Well, newer features or capabilities within the low power wide area within the same power and uh, traffic and all. Right. Okay, makes sense. Right. Makes sense. So I, th- I think we covered a lot of ground. Any other things that we missed in a discussion regarding LoRaWAN that uh, you would like our audience to know about? Um, you know, I would just say if you're if anyone's looking to deploy LoRaWAN, getting on the Laura Alliance site. So it's laura-alliance.org. We have a tremendous amount of information. In fact, it's probably one of the better sites out there in terms of webinars and blogs and white papers and what's happening in this space. So I would definitely encourage anyone to get on the Laura Alliance org. And also we have a LoRaWAN Live. We'll be in Tokyo, October 10 and 11. And it's really a two days education for Asia Pacific region, education about Laura Lions and the Laura uh, WAN technology, technology advancements. The ecosystem will be there. We have a showroom and many education. So I would encourage looking at the website for both of, both of those things, as well as if you're interested in the accredited professional program, you'll also find that on our website. Very well, Donna. Thank you very much for coming uh, on the show and providing your insight. This was a great discussion. It's exciting to see Ravan continue to proliferate. Wish you all the luck uh, at the Alliance. Thank you so much, Prakash. So, folks, that's all for now. Hope you found this discussion informative and useful. If so, please hit like and subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you are listening this on. Uh, so, don't forget to check the white papers I mentioned uh, in the monologue. I'll be back very soon with another episode, putting light on another interesting subject. Bye-bye for now.